We're starting a series teaching through the book of Matthew. And those of you who are really keen students and want to follow up more carefully, I've drawn up a detailed outline of the book of Matthew with all the sections, um, the passages that we're going to be preaching on. So I've divided this up into preaching slots with titles to see the flow of how Matthew teaches about Jesus. So those of you who are keen to look at this, and it'll give you a more detailed understanding of what we're doing. If you have your Bibles, we look at Matthew chapter 1. Now I'm not going to read through this long list of names, the genealogy. Matthew chapter 1 basically deals with the, the roots or the lineage of Jesus and then his birth, how he was born. And Matthew, through these two events, tracing the genealogy or, or the lineage of Jesus, Matthew is trying to show that this man Jesus is God's son, the Messiah. And the way that Jesus was born, um, also explaining that, is trying to show that Jesus is the Messiah. So I'm going to read here and there. We'll read from verse 1. It says, A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then he begins, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, etc. So his opening statement in his book basically states the claim that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus, as we know, is like a human name. It is the Greek for the Hebrew Joshua. And it means Yahweh saves or the Lord saves. It literally comes from the word Yahweh in the Hebrew, saves. God saves. Christ is not a name. Christ is a title or a description. And that is Messiah in the Hebrew, in the Greek it's Christ. It means the anointed one or the king. So he's saying here, this is the record of the lineage of Jesus, the Christ, the son of David. And this phrase, the son of David, again, in the Hebrew mind, I said last week in introducing the book of Matthew, he's writing primarily, although not exclusively, to Jewish readers in the city of Antioch and beyond. And so he is using a lot of Jewish phrases. And for the Jewish mind, they would immediately respond when he uses the phrase, Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. And the word the son of David is a messianic title because God prophesied or promised to David when he was king of Israel that a son from his loins would rule over Israel and bring peace. And that son would be the Messiah. So this phrase, the son of David, was quite clearly in the minds of the Jews a messianic title. So right up front, in his opening statement, this man Matthew says, this man Jesus is the Messiah, the son of David, and the way I'm going to show you or, or back up this claim is through tracing his genealogy and through explaining the circumstances of his birth. And the way that Matthew traces his genealogy is that he begins with Abraham and then of course ends up with Joseph. And those of you who are more interested in detailed study and the technicalities of this, it is quite interesting because Matthew traces the male line and specifically the legal or the royal line. You know, genealogies are, are not a thing that's really common today. We don't go into detail about tracing our family tree right back as far as we can go. In the Bible times, it was a very big thing. You know, as you know, my father died three weeks ago and in sorting out his flat and his stuff, I came across an envelope where in fact, unbeknown to me, he has traced the Fenter family all the way back and found the original crest of the Fender family back to a guy who was born 
in northeast Belgium on the border of Germany, Holland, and Belgium in Flanders by a guy, von Fenter, <laughs> and the family crest. So he's actually traced it back. Interestingly enough, the first Fenters that arrived in South Africa was in 1813. So I have a little bit of understanding of genealogy. But in the Bible, it is very common and very important because it verified and established a person's social position when you understood their family line and also their legal status often in society. And what Matthew does is he traces the royal and legal line to show that Jesus from Abraham through David actually ends up being in the royal line. And legally, therefore, the Jews can say that this man Jesus can be Messiah because he is the son of David. He's born in that royal line. That's the basic point of Matthew. But what is now interesting is Matthew mentions four women among all these men. And let me read to you verse 3. It says, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose name was Tamar. And then verse 5, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose name, at least whose mother was Rahab. And Boaz the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And down in verse 6, David the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. What is very unusual in tracing a genealogy is to mention the mother's or to mention the woman. And why does Matthew do this? He mentions four women specifically. And really this to me is the most wonderful thing. It shows that Matthew immediately from the beginning wants to prove that Jesus is Messiah. On the one hand he's saying that Jesus is Messiah because he's born in the legal royal line. But on the other hand, these women he mentions are part of the family tree of Jesus and they actually were all sinful women and were foreign women. This lady, Tamna, was a prostitute who deceived her father-in-law and the two children, Perez and Zerah, that were born of the sexual union between her and the father-in-law when she was a prostitute, they were part of the family line of Jesus. This lady, Rahab, was the prostitute in Jericho when the Israelites came in out of Egypt into Canaan and she was the woman who received the spies and she put out a scarlet thread out of her window that when the destruction of Jericho took place and they saw the scarlet thread they knew to go save that woman and she married an Israelite and she became part of the direct line of the blood of Jesus and the birth of Jesus and this lady Ruth was a Gentile Rahab was a Gentile Tamna was a Gentile and Ruth was a Gentile. She was from another tribe and she was taken in to the Israel, the Israeli family as it were and through marriage because um, her own husband died and then she, then she was taken by Boaz. And later on Matthew mentions David was the father of Solomon whose mother had been Uriah's wife and that mother was Bathsheba. And we know King David, passionate man with a heart of worship and God described David, he says, David is a man after my own heart who will serve my purposes in his generation. And yet David, with all his passion and red blood cells, was a lustful man and saw Bathsheba bathing one night as he walked as king on the walls and took her and had, and had intercourse with her, committed adultery, and when, she, when he found she was pregnant, he got her husband back from the front lines while they were fighting the Philistines 
and made him drunk and tried to get him to sleep with his wife so that it would appear that the baby would be his baby, but he was an upright man and although he was drunk from the king, he refused to sleep with his wife because his buddies were fighting on the front line. Therefore, how can I have sexual comfort when those men are fighting? I must go back and fight. So then David sent him out to the front lines and sent a message to the general, put him at the, at the hottest place in the battle so that he will be killed. And David committed murder and adultery. And the baby that was born out from Bathsheba died in the first week of birth. But the very next baby, because then he took her as his wife, the very next baby that was born from Bathsheba and David was Solomon. And the word Solomon means beloved of the Lord, the one whom the Lord loves. And you know, this is unbelievable. God's ability to forgive and redeem people. That out of that complete, absolute mess of sin and greed and murder and lust comes Solomon, whom God loves. Because he's forgiven Bathsheba and he's forgiven David and he comes in the line of Messiah. So basically what Matthew is saying here is that the Messiah is not only born through pure royal blood, but Messiah embodies in himself the sins and the foreigners and the brokenness of all humanity. Prostitution, murder, other tribes, Gentiles are part of the family line and the bloodline of Jesus Christ because they were received into Israel. And so Matthew is saying, this Messiah is the Jewish Messiah, but this Messiah is not only for the Jews, he's for the whole world and he's for everyone, the righteous, so-called, and the sinners alike. And there is no sin, whether it's murder or adultery or whatever, that is beyond Messiah's ability to heal because he embodies that ability to forgive. And what is again interesting here, they phoned me in the week and said, we'd like to buy a crimson cloth and put it here and have breaking bread like this. And I was so excited. And you know that Tamna, when she gave birth out of an adulterous union to the two twins, when they were born, the first guy, Zerah, put his hand out of um, the birth channel and they put a crimson cord around his, his hand to say this was the first one born. And then when Rahab was saved from the destruction of Jericho. It was how? Through a crimson cord. And what is interesting here is the presence of the blood of Jesus symbolically that predicts redemption. That in Messiah there is the presence of the crimson cord. Through the sins of people there is the presence of forgiveness through the shedding of blood. And Messiah embodies this ability through his blood to forgive the most heinous sin and to purify your bloodline and your genealogy and your lineage. So that no longer is my identity and my social status dependent on my natural bloodline. But it's now dependent on the blood of Jesus and being plugged into his bloodline. And as Paul says in Philippians, Paul is quite clear. He lists a whole lot of things. He says, you know, you guys want to boast. He says, I can boast. I mean, I was, I was a Jew of the Jews. I was born pure. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was the best Pharisee. I, as regarding the law, I was more zealous than all my colleagues. And Paul lists all his natural achievements in terms of the purity of his faith and his family and his bloodline. And his social status was impeccable. And then he ends up saying, and I count all these things but dung. Cow refuse. Waste material from the bulls. 
This means nothing to me or my social status and my own human achievements because outside of Jesus Christ, I'm going to hell. And the only meaning I have and identity I have and belonging and significance I have really is in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's teaching is in Philippians. And it is therefore, I consider all these human stuff, all these human achievements, actually really nothing compared to Christ and really knowing Him. Therefore, I want to know Him in the suffering, in the fellowship of His sufferings, and in the power of His resurrection. I want to be found in Christ, because then I know who I am, and I'm significant in God, and my bloodline is cleansed and renewed, because I'm plugged into a new generational line, directly from God. And that's why the Bible teaches that we have to be born again. We have to be born again. There is no doubt in the New Testament that if you are not born of God's Holy Spirit, you have no hope in this life as well as in the life to come. And John says in John chapter 1 that God sent His only Son to His own people, the Jews, but they rejected Him. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God, not the sons of God, the children of God, <laughs> who were born, children of God who were born, it quite specifically says we were not born of the human will or of the human means of reproduction, but we are born from above by God's life. And therefore, later on in John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus, Jesus says quite bluntly, except you be born from above, you will not enter the kingdom of God, full stop. But how can I be born again? I mean, I'm 45 years old or whatever. How can I re-enter my mother's womb? You don't understand me. You've been born of the water once, through the water of your mother's womb. Now you must be born by the Holy Spirit, a second birth. And if you are born from God's Spirit and you receive His life, you are plugged into a new bloodline. And all the stuff that comes in and through your family bloodline can be cleansed, forgiven, and freed up, and its power broken. Because it is quite clear in the Bible that we are not unaffected by our natural bloodline and our natural lineage. It can mean, on the one hand, our natural bloodline can mean social status. You know, you're born... I know in the Afrikaans family, my father's side is Afrikaans, although we were raised within, within the English culture, but the Hofmeyers and certain people... I mean, I met some Afrikaans family that are linked to Andrew Murray. And you know, in some circles, your surname determines how well you stand in the community. Isn't that right? It still happens. In the English community, I think it's almost lost its significance. So your natural bloodline, on the one hand, can give you social status, but on the other hand, the Bible says that the sins of the fathers and the mothers are passed on to the third and the fourth generation. And what that means is that we, as children, are not necessarily punished for our parents' sin, but the effects of our parents' brokenness and their patterns of sin come in and through the bloodline, even up to a point genetically. You know, people who are so broken in terms of alcohol, they say that children born of parents who have had a history and grandparents with alcohol problems in the family genetically are very prone to addictive behavior patterns because genetically they've been weakened. And so you have in the bloodline a lot of stuff that can be passed down and can affect the children. Spiritual powers can come to us and through our bloodline because of what our parents have been exposed to. Freemasonry, involvement in the occult, a lot of stuff like that. You know, 
understanding my father and his father helps me to understand myself a lot better in regard to some inclinations and tendencies in me to go certain ways. And when I understand my father, I identify these tendencies in me. They're not just, as it were, you know, born with me. But there is some principle that can come in and through the family which we need to bring to God for cleansing and forgiveness and some spiritual powers even to be broken. And Matthew's teaching is simply this. Jesus is the Messiah. He's pure and he's royal. But he's also embodied the sinfulness and he can break any power, any sin in your bloodline and he can plug you into a new bloodline which is his blood when you're born again. And if anyone here still feels that maybe there is stuff in your family that has come to you through your bloodline that goes back generations, Jesus is here to break the power and to heal you and to set you free. And some of us have not even thought of it. You know, sometimes there's a curse in the family that goes back generations. And there's no reason why, but you constantly have accidents, or there's tragedy in the family, or there is regular miscarriages among the women in the family through the sisters and all the women in the family. And if you trace some of these things, and you understand the dynamics, it can often, not always, but it can often be put back to a curse that's present in the bloodline that goes back generations. And the message here is that the Messiah through the crimson cord, can break the evil and the sin and the tendencies that come in and through the bloodline. And maybe this morning as I'm speaking, you are becoming aware of stuff in your family that are patterns of behavior or weaknesses or sins or inexplicable supernatural things that come in and through your family, your brothers and sisters, your grandparents. That this morning you want to say, okay, Lord, I want to bring that to you and ask you to cleanse it and to break its power, and to free us, me, or as a family. Jill and I prayed. We suffer with allergies. And our first child, when Zander was conceived, we already began to pray when we first heard that she was pregnant, that he would not have asthma, because Jill has asthma. That this generation would be free from asthma. So we prayed like crazy that Zander wouldn't suffer with asthma. We forgot about poor Misha. <laughs> we didn't pray once for Misha that she wouldn't suffer with asthma. But Zander never suffers with asthma. He doesn't suffer at all with asthma. Because there's this awareness that it can come through the bloodline. And there's so much stuff that can be cleansed and resolved and fixed up in Messiah if you bring it to him. Because he embodies our own sinfulness and our own brokenness here in his bloodline. And then the birth of Messiah. Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary. And that is the heart of the Christian faith, that we must, by faith, believe and accept that Jesus was born of a virgin by the work of the Holy Spirit, called the Incarnation. And if you put aside or throw out the virgin birth, then the whole of Christianity comes tumbling down. Um, what Matthew does here, and you need to read it and look at the notes. He simply says, in explaining how Jesus was born, that Joseph and Mary were engaged, then he found out she was pregnant, he was amazed to save her from social embarrassment and possible stoning because of the implications of adultery before she was fully united as a married woman. So he tried to divorce her quietly to save her from public stoning. But then an angel appeared in a dream and said, Joseph, what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
This is the Son of God, and you'll call him, his name Joshua. Yeshua, Yahweh saves. He will save his people from their sin. And so Joseph respected God, responded in faith, obeyed, and he married Mary. He never had intercourse with Mary until after the birth of Jesus. And then they lived a normal married life and had other children. And that brief story of Matthew is to say simply this, Jesus is God's son. He is fully God and he's fully human at the same time. As fully human, he can feel our pain and our sin. He can understand human brokenness. As fully God, he has the ability to save us from our sin and to save us from our sicknesses and our demons and our death. And that's why this man, Jesus, is Messiah because he's God become flesh, born through a virgin. So that's what Matthew is teaching. And what is important also there is the presence of the angels and of the supernatural to guide and to confirm the truth of God. And you know, today, the way the world is interpreting or seeing angels in the supernatural, you know, all the movies about angels, touched by an angel, but you know, all the angel movies is an outbursting of angelology around the world. And you know what they are teaching and saying? Seek angels, talk to angels, pray to angels, build relationship with angels. And I tell you, that is a complete deception. Angels in the Bible are not to be talked to, are not to be sought after, are not to be prayed to. You pray to God. God sends angels. It says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It's in your notes. It says, angels are ministering spirits sent forth from God to minister to those who receive salvation. I tell you, every day angels are ministering to us, unbeknown to us, because God cares for us. And we are called to worship God and have nothing to do with angels unless they manifest themselves to us. And then it's an awesome experience which generally will give you incredible weakness and fainting and deadness and you probably will not be able to speak or write a book for many years. <laughs> Those who write books, I've seen an angel, I'm highly suspicious. Paul says he saw spiritual things that were so awesome that it's not even lawful for him to even mention them. That's the real thing. So, let's pray. I want you to consider two things. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? And secondly, what things in your bloodline and in your family line do you still maybe need to bring to God and ask Him through Messiah to put the blood and to break its power and to cleanse you? And maybe, maybe this morning you've just become aware of something that you need to bring to God. Maybe there are inexplicable things that have happened with your brothers and your sisters and your grandparents that are a regular pattern and it continues, but it can stop at your generation if you bring it to the Messiah. So I want us to pray for people in that regard. If you have any suspicion that maybe there may be unresolved stuff, won't you come up? Any Freemasonry in the family, any occult involvement, you've not dabbled in it, but it may still be a hangover. And I just felt this morning, as I was preparing, that that's the issue that God wants to deal with this morning. So, let me ask you right now, anyone who wants prayer in regard to bringing your bloodline under the blood of Jesus, why don't you come and stand up front, and we're going to pray for you. Form a long line here, because we're going to call down the power of God and release you from curses, and release you from spiritual powers that you may not even be aware of, that you may not know about or you may be aware of. I want you to, those who want to receive prayer, if you're able to, 
Hold your hands out in a receiving position. And I want you in your mind to hold before God as I pray for you. What you think could well be the issue. And if you're not sure what the issue is, but you just felt that you needed to respond this morning, that's fine. Just lay your family and your bloodline before God. And let whatever happens, happen. Let God's power come upon you. And let God's power enter your, your physical body. And do whatever needs to be done. And release you from sins, from patterns, from powers and curses in, in your family. So Lord Jesus, we stand before you now in the presence of the Almighty God and in the presence of His holy angels. And we call upon your power, Father, to come and touch these people in the name of Jesus. You see them standing before your throne, all of them, Lord. And we bring to you their bloodline, their genealogy, their fathers and their mothers, their grandparents going back into the generations, the family tree. And we say right now, these people are born again. And we plug them again into the blood of Jesus and the bloodline of Messiah. And we break the power of sin right now in the name of Jesus. The repeated sin and the patterns of sin. We break its power over you in the name of Jesus. Repeated sicknesses and allergies and genetic weaknesses. We break the power of that over your body and in your body and in your family in the name of Jesus Christ. We break spiritual powers, involvement with Freemasonry, involvement with the occult, calling upon other gods, secret societies, oaths that bound your parents and forefathers to secret societies. We break the power of that in the name of Jesus. We break the power of sexual sin and the effects and the brokenness of sexual sin and of abuse. In the name of Jesus Christ, be free from those patterns and those powers. In the name of Jesus, we free your children to live a new life and a different life. In the name of Jesus, we break any curse that was laid upon your family and your bloodline. Right now, we break the curse, we revoke the curse over your family and over your bloodline. In Jesus' name, by the blood of Jesus, be free from the family curse. In Jesus' name, you do not have to repeat the patterns of your parents and your forefathers. In the name of Jesus. Let God's power do it now and set you free. More power, Lord. Do it now, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we free you from the curse. We free you in the name of Jesus. Even rearrange, Lord, the chemicals in the body. Restore where there's genetic weakness, Lord. Bring strength. Where there is addictive tendencies, break the power of these addictions. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let God's power do it in Jesus' name. You're plugged into the bloodline of Jesus. Be free from your sin. Be free from the sins of your parents. In the name of Jesus.